Well, I'd like to dive straight into what you and I were talking about on the phone last week. You ready? Yeah, let's go. So you, you were mentioning, and if you're willing to be vulnerable about it right now, are you? Talk about it? Sure. Okay, cool. So you mentioned how, was it uh, last month or was it this month that you're only going to close one loan? Okay. Yes. Yeah, so so it's, it's next month. Next month. August. Okay. So to be transparent, um, oh I had one yeah. loan when we spoke and now I have five. <laughs> now you have five. Okay. Yeah. But, but, but that being said, like what you were experiencing was still real. What I was experiencing at that time was what you were real. telling yourself, the story you were creating, the narrative, like this whole, oh my God, like I suck kind of thing, right? Yeah. Get into it. Yeah. But, and I think, like, you know, for people that are watching this, I, I think that what you have to understand is that, um, you know, I mean, in a normal year, just a normal year, not a 2020 or a 2021, because those are not normal years. Um, in a normal year, I would average about 20 loans a month. Maybe some years it might be 22, some years it might be 18 on average, but, you know, it's always right in that 20 loans a month um, for my personal production. So I do have other LOs uh, in my branch, but they don't roll up into me. So that's just my personal production. Um, and so, you know, just like a lot of people that uh, push themselves to be at a high level, you know, you compare year over year over year, right? And so if can't I help it sometimes. Yeah, I mean, uh, we what I said to you was like, because I I'm constantly analyzing, right? What I said to you was I have to go back to 2011 to find a month where I closed one or two loans. You know, um, that doesn't mean that there aren't down months because January of 2020, I think we only closed like six or seven. Um, Right. Which that would have been down on average, but generally, you know, 2020 was a different story. I mean, it blew up, right. We got to a point right. where it was in like 2019, even 2019, right. 2019, 2020, 2021, and then half of 2022. Right. Right. Those are, I think I heard Ryan say it really well the other day, which we've been trying to remind people for a long time, which is that was a long enough time for people to actually think and change their minds about who they were. Right. They right. decided they were, they decided that that's me. Right. And when that went away, guess what? Oh shit. Yeah. I'm nobody now. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. And, I mean, and would you say that that's fair to say you feel there's a little bit of that residual feeling maybe still for you? Um, I mean, yeah, yes. But what I will say is the difference is if you go back and you look at my business in 2000, you know, 13, we closed 210 loans and then 2014, we closed 220 or something and 15 and 16. And so yeah, 17, 18 I, leading up to the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I, even way before COVID, you know, I was still closing 80 to nine, 90, no, maybe some years was 95 or something. So we we're closing approaching a hundred million, um, you know, way before COVID. So I, I get it. What what was interesting is I know, and, and Ryan has built a, an amazing business over a long period of time as well. Um, 
And so, you know, uh, I think Ryan and I are probably in that same camp where we were sitting back, we're running our business. Um, yeah, it's better in 1920 and 21 than it, it, it Yeah, it kind of like go, it boosts, right? You might as well pour like, you know, rocket fuel on it at yeah. that point. It's like you were right. already a good business and now it's like, phew. And yeah, like, I mean, you had no, like, there was no, it's funny because the sales funnel, right? There's all these steps of the sales funnel. Uh, the top one is awareness and the bottom one is action, right? And I'm talking to a lot of agents um, when I'm talking about social media right now of in the years, especially 20 and 21, um, the funnel was awareness, action, okay? It was two-step funnel. Instead of intent, you know, education, consultation, like all of the stuff that clients go through of like, well, hey, you know, um, yeah, I'm aware of Thomas. Um, he seems like a nice guy. I'll reach out to him. And then I've, I'll, I'll analyze what he has to offer and I'll study it and I'll compare it and I'll do all these things before I get to action. In 2021, there were so many people trying to take action, not enough people in the business to even handle all of the action. So it literally was, if you pick up your phone, you get the deal, right? I mean, I tell yeah. the story all the time. One, one day, so I'm working, I'm working in the closet in my master bedroom in 2020. This must be a big closet, Greg. Um, it's, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's big enough to have a, like a desk in it. It, but you know, it wasn't, it, it, it wasn't because like, you know, I have a giant house or anything. That was not it at all. <laughs> Literally, this is a three a bedroom house. that's like 2000 square feet. Right. Uh, four kids on zoom in the house, a puppy, and, um, everybody's trying to work from home. So Tiffany was working at the dining room table and she had a whole desk set up. I was in the closet in the bedroom. Um, the kids were in the kitchen at the kitchen Island doing their zoom for school, for school, for school, right? Cause they had to be on zoom and it was just a disaster. Um, and then we have a puppy. So the puppy, what does the puppy do? Well, the puppy, running yeah, around, barking, everyone you know, Oh, you didn't let me out and you didn't five seconds. I was at the door and you didn't notice. So I'm going to go to the bathroom, right? Like just stuff like that. So we're just, it's just chaos. And one day on my phone, because I didn't have, um, systems set up. I, some people jumped in, like they figured out some systems right away to handle a huge volume of calls. I did not do that. I had my team, they're all at home, we're on Zoom. Thankfully, I had a, I have a great team. Um, we just started like working. We all grabbed shovels and we just started digging, right? Some people were smart and we both know some of them and they crushed it during those years because they went out and they bought a backhoe <laughs> to dig, right? Well, we're just, we still had, you know, six or seven people with shovels. Um, but it was the opposite of like bad survival, right? Sometimes people are just trying to survive. It's like famine, right? Yeah. yeah. And this was like, a lot of businesses probably died from, um, rather than starvation, indigestion. They're right. just like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, not... I, had, I had 37 calls to my cell phone because my cell phone, you know, even to this day is still our, our main phone. It now rolls over to a phone in the office if I'm in a meeting or whatever, but at that time there was no office. So there's nothing to roll it over to. So I had 37 
calls of people that wanted to take action in one day. Well, I'm one person and I'm trying to have conversations with people about, hey, here's the benefits of refinancing or buying a new home or whatever it is you want to do. Uh, you can't physically, it's impossible to have 37 meaningful conversations. And yeah. that's, those are just the calls that came in on that day, right? So right. it was literally like you're saying, it's you're drinking from a fire hose. So fast forward to now, and obviously um, there's days where like nobody calls the phone and says, I would like to get a mortgage, okay? There's days where nobody calls. There's a lot um, of those days maybe. There's, more. there's multiple days like that, right? Yeah. Um, it's okay. I mean, we, we, you know, those of us that have been in the business and, and we have relationships, we're, we're making those calls happen, but it's not like we just sit here and the phone rings, you know, we right. we're having to reach out now. So, uh, which is again, not a problem, but there's a lot of folks who fell in love with those years prior to those years they were closing maybe three or four loans a month. Well, you and I both know, because we understand P&L models, is if you close three or four loans a month, you probably can't sustain uh, even one assistant, okay? You probably need to get to like six, maybe seven, to be able to, and depending on your market and margins and all that, yeah. sustain one assistant, right? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, some 10, these, maybe some, two assistants. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So some of some of these people they had, they hired like, you know, two, three people, four people in some cases. And it was all based off of those couple of years that were really, really good. Now, I mm -hmm. increased my team 100%. I increased my team. I've had to lay some people off and it sucks. It does. But, you know, like there's a lot of people they had really, in my opinion, no business hiring if they're in, if they thought that they were going to continue to do, you know, 10, 15, whatever those numbers are, uh, number of loans per month, because now they're closing one or zero or two. And and now they should be brokers because they need to make 150 basis points. And now, and now they, yeah, I mean, and, and companies, right? Like um, big independent mortgage banking companies, there's, there's costs involved, right? So if I have an LO in my branch, he closes or she closes zero loans. Well, there's a guarantee that we have. So guaranteed drops. We don't want anybody going without food. There's uh, benefits. You know, there's other, there's, there's the tech, or, right? Like little things like, tech. you know, your, your Barracuda or your loan, not loan vision, but like, yeah, the tech yeah. stack stuff. There's, like literally there's a fee for some of these things. So it's sure. not free. Yeah. No, there's licenses that have to be paid for, yeah. for everybody. Like, like, so it, it, I basically tell people, Hey, um, if you don't close any loans, it probably is going to cost us $4,000, let's say right? For, for, per month, you know, your numbers, I, mean, yeah. I think we're going to get more of that in a second. Too, so, but. so if it costs us $4,000 and you don't close any loans, you know, we're definitely going to look back and go, okay, well, how's it been going before this? Right. Do you have like now, if you have an assistant, 
If you have an assistant that makes just kind of the base assistant pay, now you're looking at your 4,000 is now costing you $8,000 a month if you close zero. So that's a right. loss to the company, $8,000 a month. Yep. If you there's, had a, there's a huge lack of three, like, holy smokes, yeah. right? That, that can get really, really big. Now, what I will say is if somebody has the ability to stay alive, it has a team, like I still have five people on my team. I have laid people off, but I still have five people on my team. Um, if you have the ability to close enough volume to cover your costs, even if the company doesn't make a dime in this year, right? Then good for you. That's what your goal really should be because I don't believe in, Hey, you know, you're not making money for the company right now. We got to lay off all of your staff and go down to a skeleton crew because guess what? When this thing snaps back and we all know it's going to, it does not going to take much for the volume to pick up. Well, the loan officer that went from two assistants to zero is going to have a really hard time revving their engine up. It's going to take them six to 12 months to really rev up. I can literally go from you know, one loan a month. If I close one loan, I can go to 25 without skipping a beat. Right. And then you could start hiring if you start to need to do more stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. There's a really bad um, system in the mortgage industry for being able to scale up and scale down during, you know, harder and, and better times. And I guess I'll ask you, do you even feel like a lot of the people within your own company or previous companies that everybody has a similar process, right? They kind of have this like shared process for how teams work. Would you say yes or no? Oh, I, I don't think it's consistent even within our company or any company I've ever worked with. Like, um, you know, we have our own system. I have my own system. Exactly. Yeah. And and I mean, that is kind of a miss because I feel like I I've seen gr groups that do this. Right. And it could be like, you know, shout out Jeremy Forcier. Right. But like, you know, I, I'm, I'm confident that someone like Jeremy probably has redundancies and and through his leadership. Right. He coaches teams on like, hey, here's how we're going to build a proper team. And here's how we can have leverage. So that way, during the good times, we can scale up. And during the bad times, we don't have to scale down as much because we can leverage support that all do it the same way. So that for, you know, it's probably worth calling it out. A lot of mortgage companies, that's not even their job, right? Yeah. They don't even care about that. Right. So duh, there's a lot of originators who also suffer as a result because they don't have a good blueprint or process, you know, or leader to look to and say, hey, how can we do this better? That's Dude, a huge I, I mean, I, I, I'm with you. And did I tell you that, that I actually, that what I, how I set up my team, my branch, I stole that from Jeremy. So no, shout, you didn't. Shout out nice. cool. So, so Jeremy, we'll tag Jeremy in this. Uh, Jer yeah, Jeremy's been been a friend for a while. Uh, he coached me for a year nice. straight in the core. Uh, he got him no, cool. a coach. You know, are you still core? Uh, what's that? Are you still core? No, I'm not. I got out. Um, okay. I was in for uh, about. So maybe that's years. where knowing your numbers comes from. Uh, no, I've, I, I mean, was before that. Okay. Yeah. We can get into that story, but basically, so before okay. I got in the mortgage business and I've been in for 18 years now, I was a financial analyst. Um, I was a budget officer for the County locally here. 
Um, so that just kind of comes naturally to me. I'm a bit of a nerd in that way. Um, but, but anyway, back to, so Jeremy, when I was coaching with him, he was just starting to build this idea of building his team and having his team help other LOs in his network and in his branches. Um, and so I kind of just piggybacked on that. I'm like, that's genius, right? Because, you know, I have a team, they're great. And if I can recruit other loan officers in to help spread the, not necessarily the cost, because I was doing enough business to support it. And so was Jeremy, by the way, or, you know, he was during those years, but it's the stress. If you've got eight people on payroll, that's eight people who have families, they have mortgages, they have food to, to put on the table, you know, vacations, hopefully they get to take all those things. You want to have a great life for your people as well. And, um, and that's a lot of stress when you are the sole provider for those people, when it's your production only for those people. So what I've been able to do by following Jeremy's model is, is do the, exactly that. So I have four other LOs, their production um, helps keep my team, you know, going because the, they plug into the team. And the cool thing is, is I think that especially now when you have loan officers that don't have a team, uh, maybe they did have a team and they, and they lost it. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, well, we're forced to scale down. They were told to scale down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was just talking to a buddy uh, at a previous company I worked for talking to him yesterday and, and they're, they're literally running on a skeleton crew. Like, I don't think, I don't, I don't think if he wanted somebody to, you know, make him a flyer, he could get that done right now. Um, because they're, oh, they, wow. they've let literally everyone go because their volume is down and they're losing money. Right. So, um, I think, For, don't mean to interrupt that, oh, hold on to that thought because it's worth calling out that there are so many companies that because they serve an investor or yeah. investor base, yep. Yep. they have to do these mass layoffs. Sure. They have to cut all these things back because they're doing bit They're, they're looking at the equation saying, huh, if we get rid of 250 employees, then not only does that eliminate all these benefits and all these other things, right? Like that can get them to a number, right? Well, it's worth calling out that that's kind of screwed up. Like, but sorry, it's, just but, wanted to call out. I Continue. Mean, that, that, that's it. That's hundred percent true. I mean, that's what happened with caliber caliber, you know, was owned by a uh, private equity firm. That private equity firm decided to cash out good for them, by the way, because they cashed out in at, in the third quarter of 21 is when uh -huh. they executed oh. that, that, um, is that like the height? It's close to the height. I mean, it's as close as you can get, right? You don't want you to know? wait until it like, you know, cool if it's the height, but you're, that's riskier. So I anyway, mean, the, 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 so they started it. I don't know exactly like when they handled the valuation, I think it was August of 21. Um, and then the takeover by new res was 22. Um, but yeah, I mean, they like, they timed it perfectly. That stuff happens. And yeah, it can happen to anyone. Uh, movement mortgage where I'm at is owned by a, you know, a private foundation. And that foundation basically has one person and that's Casey Crawford. So, but 
Casey could, there's nothing that says Casey couldn't decide to sell, yeah, sell it, cash out. And a lot of his equity is, well, not just his, let's, let's be fair. Yeah. A lot of companies, mortgage banks, right? Like this, yep. their, their uh, wealth is tied up in the company. So when you want to access it, guess what? Yeah. Right. <laughs> like you, there's strategies that they implement to access it. So you can't hold on to it forever. That's right. just the truth. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I, I think, um, you know, everybody's, everybody's trying to figure out like what company to go to and, and all that. And I think, you know, you can't, um, grass is green where you water it. it. It is. And, um, you can't avoid change. Okay. Change is a constant. Um, I, I worked for Washington mutual. I worked for Wachovia, um, you know, work for MetLife. Like there's three, three big names in the mortgage industry that went out of business. MetLife just decided to close down their mortgage business, you know, but the other two, Wamu and Wachovia just went out of, they're gone. Boom, poof in the night. Right. So, um, you know, you can't ever, ever like avoid change and, and, and you shouldn't, right. You should just try to find what is the probability that the company you go choose is going to be the best company for you. And so you can serve your clients at that time. Okay. Possibilities. Anything is possible. I could literally fall off the chair I'm sitting on, hit my head and die right now. It is possible. It's not probable because you know, I'm kind of nimble still, but I'm teasing, but you know what I'm saying? Like a lot of people, a lot of people like freak out about this and they're, and like, I mean, we experienced this when there was some big changes at my last company, and there's a lot of people that just haven't moved. They're just riding the wave of the last company. And I know it's not good, but they're just kind of like, you know, paralyzed. They don't want to make a decision because they're afraid of making the wrong decision. Exactly. And not making a decision is making a decision. And I mean, that's a maturity thing, right? Would you agree? Like that's a, that's a like growth experience and yeah. You know, I think also we're not, like, we're going to make bad decisions. Actually, you know yeah. what? Um, and by the way, we're at four o'clock. Do you have time? Um, I do. I'm just checking yeah. with you. Yep, 15 minutes. No, my next, okay, cool. uh, my next meeting isn't until two o'clock my time. So what's that? Time? Okay, cool. Yeah. So with that in mind, you know, I saw, did you see Sean Herrera's post about, um, like the warrior of light? Right. And embracing the challenge and how he, you know, has done some coaching for like Cindy Ertman's group. Did you see that? I didn't see that. Okay. So totally. I'd love to actually, so I'm going to ask you a question at the end of this around how you face these challenges, because some people do have a good mindset, right? Where it's a bit more natural. It's a bit more natural that when challenges arise, they're going to passively just automatically say, how do I handle this challenge, overcome this adversary, adversity, right? So, right. you know, Sean was talking about this excerpt from this book. He highlighted it and just, you know, really how there are some people who the book refers to them as warriors for life and how when a challenge arises, it's just kind of a little bit more natural where those people think to themselves, how do I overcome this challenge? What can I do? Right. Um, it's, it's almost like this concept of life, instead of life is happening to me, yeah. it's life is happening for me. Sure. So how are you going to handle that? So Quick shout out to Sean. Good job. Yeah, um, Sean's, Sean's dope. Uh, let me let me ask. How do you? Is it natural for you? And then for people that it's not natural for, maybe you've coached those people. Maybe you have loan officers like that. How do you advise and help those people kind of handle challenge and adversity better? 
Yeah. Um, so I'll tell you, I don't even know what, when this happened, but at some point in my life, um, I had an epiphany that, um, you know, if something bad happens that you give yourself a period of time to kind of be pissed, you know, mourn, grieve, whatever you need to do. Um, obviously there's different actions require different time frames around that. But like a lot of times in our industry, I find people getting really worked up about like, oh, they didn't get a favorable underwriting decision that they thought they should have gotten, or they lost a deal to somebody who had a better price. Um, and, and while that can be frustrating, especially now when, when, you know, the, every deal might be the one that puts food on your table for next month or not. Right. Really matters. Um, you, you have to look at it and say, okay, um, I can be upset about this, but then I need to move on because it's kind of like golf. So I played golf competitively for a long time, you know, amateur wise, but never like never played in the pros or anything like that. Um, but I, you know, if you hit a bad shot and then you're still angry over the next shot, the chances of that shot being a good shot are not good. Right. Mm -hmm. So then you hit a bad shot and maybe you say, Oh gosh, you know what? I'm going to make a bogey now. And then you get refocused, hit the next shot. And if it's a good one, you might actually, you know, hit a really, really good shot and, and salvage a par. But if you're upset and you're all pissed off that bogey now that, you think you you're going to get might turn into a double bogey or a triple bogey right. because now you're just pissed and you're stacking pissed on top of pissed and you can't it's do compounding. That. Yeah. It's compounding. And you, and you just can't do that. It's um, I see it. It makes people make horrible decisions. Right. So I've really gotten good at, um, you know, giving myself a few minutes, whether that's five minutes, 15 minutes, whatever, to be upset. And then I move on. Right. Smart. And it, and it's really, it's, it's really hard, uh, especially right now because, you know, I mean, everybody's using social media and stuff like that. So you could see like your best real estate agent that is like your best friend. You got, you also have like, you know, whatever you go fishing together, what, you know, and then you see that they're closed, they closed a deal over here on one, two, three cherry street with a lender from across town. That's your rival. And now you're like, what's going on? Why, why is he closing a deal there? Like we just went fishing this weekend or, you know, and, and that stuff can all Does this actually happen to you. Um, I mean, this stuff happens all the time. Yes. Okay. okay. I was just curious if that was an actual, but it's not, I mean, no, like I don't, I don't have a fishing buddy or anything. I don't fish. I mean, okay. I, I would, I would like to, I just don't have time to, but I, so I'm just, that's an example, but that kind of thing happens all the time when you're like, well, wait a minute, you just told me that I'm your favorite lender. And now you're closing a deal with this other person and giving them shout outs and, and all that. And, um, and I think, you know, that's just an example of something where it's like, okay, cool. Like, what am I going to do about that? Because, a lot of times when things happen that upset you, you are the cause of it, right? And sometimes you're not, but sometimes you are the cause of it. So if I lose a transaction because somebody had a better price, I don't 
get upset anymore and go, oh my gosh, like I got to talk to our secondary marketing department and figure out why our margins are so high and blah, blah, blah. I don't go to that anymore. Maybe I did earlier in my career, I'd get upset about it. But now I look at it and go, I didn't add enough value to overcome a price difference. Right. So I right. get very like, I get, I get very introspective when something doesn't go my way and I look at it and go, okay, what did I do? And I think for competitive people in all industries and a lot of successful salespeople are competitive, right? Competitive people don't always want to take the blame. So to use the golf analogy again, if you've ever been watching golf and heard, you know, the golfer yelling at their caddy after they hit a bad shot, caddy didn't hit the bad shot. But that's kind of the caddy's job is yeah. they, you know, that th that's how they offload their problem on somebody else and not take the blame themselves. Right. Versus practicing extreme ownership and saying, oh, well, like, what could I have done better? And yeah. instead of yell yelling at the caddy, you just say, oh, man, maybe if I had of just like next time I want to do this better. Yeah. And then it inspires the caddy to say, you know what? Greg, like, actually, I should have thought about this other thing. And you know what? I was thinking about suggesting the seven iron and and, and I should have said something. Yeah, I'll, I'll segue that into what I heard a little bit of what you also talking about, which if you do, you know, Jonathan Roach. Uh, um, I do. Yeah, I know, I know who he is. Yeah. I don't know. him. So I heard him on one of our company calls. You know, he was and also um, in Vegas at Mastermind Summit. So okay. he was talking about, you know, the negative voice mm -hmm. and how the negative voice is always focused on results. Right right? You didn't hit that, that shot. Well, right. You didn't get that, get that loan, right? Your positive voice is focused on efforts, right? So a lot of people get wrapped up and, and just chase that negative voice you know, right down to the bottom and, and they can't overcome it. Right. And it's a, it's probably a life skill, right? Like being able to stop yourself and like, you'll give yourself some time to be angry and then, and then coming back from it. Right. right. So if anybody wants to get better at it, first off, maybe go, follow, you know, listen to some Jonathan Roach and pick up golf, right? Uh, <laughs> Very right, humbling if, game. If <laughs> yes, yes. Would you add anything else to that? Uh, no, I agree 100%. And I also think as an industry, we are guilty of, um, of not supporting the activity as much as we are the result. Um, yeah. and I mean, and, and unfortunately like that's, it's kind of how it works. Um, it's, but, a, human, it's a human thing. Yeah. yeah. It's to, to focus on that's kind of a more natural human thing. And, yeah. um, do you mind if I back up to, I guess, where we kick this off Sure. and, and I guess wrap up with this, um, in a little bit here is you, you had mentioned to me that you kind of had struggled with whether or not like that feeling like you were only going to end up closing one loan in August right. kind of overwhelmed you with this feeling of, do I say this out loud? Yeah. Like, sure. Well, that your negative voice is now talking to you, right? right? Like your negative voice is controlling you a little bit there. And I remember you like, cause your company already knows that this sure. is oh, yeah. like what's happening. Right. Sure. And, and I think my, you know, some, was some of the words I shared with you were don't make the mistake of comparing one month to your last year or your last 10 years. Right. Right. And, but, but not your 2020 or 2021. A lot of people make the mistake of right. comparing to that. That doesn't count. We already covered that. Right. Um, but when you look at it over a longer period of time, if you're consistently closing 20 loans, 
I'm like, can you go back for a second to, cause now you're going to close five in August. He's like, right. right. But go back to that moment because I think that there's a lot to be gleaned from like the, the negative voice and how you, and how your positive voice really triumphed and pushed you through that because you were focused on the efforts, right? right. That's how you got to five. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't like, um, I look at it always as what else can I do? What, what is something I can do more? Like, um, you know, I went from a guy that, you know, had the team and, and I still have the team by the way, but I, I had like, there was a lot that I didn't do for a lot of years. You know, I was working at a higher level and I literally go to open houses on the weekends. Um, I, am, you know, teaching right now, I'm teaching um, agents, social media and video and trying to help them build their game. And I'm spending a lot of time doing things that um, maybe I haven't done in years and years and years. I, and I mean, I'm look, I'm, I'm still going to have a great year. Um, and, I, and I know that I'm not worried about that. But like when I'm talking about do I share um, that I've only got one loan or had one loan at the time? Um, you know, it's 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 a tough thing because sometimes people hold you up on a pedestal, and 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 that happens, especially now. Like, you know, I think my my business is down by fifty percent year over year, um, but like even that is pretty darn good when you think about it and you look at where, uh, where other people are, there's people, there's literally loan officers that are trying to figure out if they can stay in the business. They're going to have to go like make a career change right now. Um, a lot of them because they can't generate enough business to sustain it. Um, and so right. I think that's where that, that's where it hit me. And I'm like, I have to share this. It's not a matter of whether I want to share this and I want to be vulnerable. I have to share this because I there's a lot of people who feel the same way, actually. Right. And not just even in our industry. Right. There's people outside of the industry that they like that their paycheck. Right. Like, oh, my gosh, like I need this to feed my family. Like I need this to. So, yeah, I think it's uh, we could we could have a whole nother episode on being vulnerable. Right. Because um it was Neil Patel. Was it Neil Patel? It was talking about, no, it was Chris Doe talking about weakness is strength, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause he was using right. the Marvel analogy of yep, Marvel yep. heroes. And like, so I, I, I was sharing that on a clubhouse call earlier today with some, with some agents who, you know, and, and it, do, it does seem like a lot of agents, they're so used to being this polished, pretty Barbie, right? Barbie, the movie just came out. So, Hey, whatever. It's like, you know, it's, Barbie. it's a whole new world to be this vulnerable version of yourself that, you know, because when you take an Instagram picture, which, you know, for all of us who remember when MySpace, Facebook, Instagram first came out, pictures were the thing, yeah. right? Yeah. So a picture you can make perfect and you should make perfect because that's the point, right? If you're taking wedding photos, you don't take shitty wedding photos, right? Yeah. We have to retrain ourselves because and this whole thing isn't about social media, but it's more about, I guess, just embracing change, right? And overcoming that challenge. And this is happening for me is there's a huge hurdle to overcome when you shift your mindset to I'm going to post imperfect shitty videos. Yeah. But that's what people want anyway. And I've heard it from multiple people at this point, how when you post those videos, 
Like if you were to ask your, do you have younger kids, Greg? I do. Yeah. Like I've heard some people say how, when they have, they, they see their kids like sending really awful photos to each other, right? They're like texting each other, like the ugliest things. Yeah. Like it's almost like a game and they don't even think about it. Like at one, one of my friends, Liz, she was literally mentioning, maybe, you know, um, Liz uh, Reese, she's in yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Neil's group. Yeah. yeah. Love is she, she's the one who shared that with me. It's right. like, she asked her kids, like, why are you doing that? And her, it doesn't even register for her kid. Her kid's like, what do you mean? Like, yeah. why, why wouldn't I? It's kind of like the point. It's, uh, it's authentic. And I, I also agree with Sean Herrera on this, that we need to remove the word or the term like, oh, just be authentic. It's like, what? Like, why do you, why do you have to be authentic? Like, you should be authentic. Like, be. like that, that, shouldn't, that shouldn't exist. But yeah. Um, do you, so you're helping realtors with their content. Have you, how do you kind of help them specifically with that? And then we'll wrap up here. How do you yeah. help them get over that hurdle of like, oh man, like I suck. Like, well, just do it, do it scared. And who cares if it's a little ugly, right? Yeah. I, I think, you know, the first thing when I open up my class, I tell them, you know, how old I am. Right. And, and the reason that's important for, for this is that there's a lot of realtors that are older um, and did not grow up with, you know, any of this stuff. Like we didn't have, when I was in college, we didn't even have the internet. I mean, I think Al Gore was still working on it back then, but like <laughs> it wasn't. You're, you're very seasoned, Greg. You're seasoned. seasoned, right? Like, so we didn't have laptops. We didn't have, we literally had typewriters and stuff. Right. So, um, so it was a different world. So if you look at like kids today, I just met with this realtor last week. She's 23. Uh, great kid. Um, I know her grandfather. So like that tells you something. Um, and, and I was telling her about this class that I'm teaching. She's like, Oh my gosh, like, don't people know this? And I said, no, they no. don't <laughs> because you grew up with this, you know, she was still in high school doing Instagram and stuff like that. And not like some of us picked up Instagram in our fifties. And so you know, that's really hard to learn later on in life. So I'm trying to, I, I, I'm, I'm telling them, you know, what we all know is, hey, get over what you look like and you sound like, because that's what you look like and sound like, right? That's easy. But there's still a lot of people that are petrified of, of getting, of their face and their voice and things like that. And so I'm also sharing ways that they can share content, make content that doesn't even include their face or them on video at all. Nice. Right. Um, because you know, it's not about that. And I show, and I share some of the reels that I've done that have gotten, you know, really high number of views, at least from my standards, which, you know, I don't have, I'm not an influencer and I'm not trying to be an influencer, but you know, People show interest in some of the videos that I have that have nothing to do with mortgage. They have nothing to do with me or my face or my voice on them. And I get great engagement and people making comments that then I can comment back and stuff. So I'm just showing them uh, and trying to teach them this idea of, hey, you guys are already marketing. You're marketing your business. And how are you marketing your business? Well, show of hands in the room, how many people took a buyer out in the last week, you know, almost everybody raises their hand. Okay. How many buyers? What was it? One, was it two? And most people say, yeah, one or two. Um, and I said, okay, well, cool. So you spent maybe let's say, uh, an hour with that client, 
you spent maybe a half an hour and a half an hour commuting both ways. So let's say that's two hours of your time and you touched two people. But now what if you took an extra five minutes and while you were touring this home with these clients, you yep. shot a video, put some catchy music to it, put it up on social media and you got maybe a hundred or here's an example of one that got a hundred thousand views, right? Yeah, so, it, doesn't, it doesn't take much effort, but it does require some retraining. It right? does. It, you have to retrain how you think because most people that are my age think, I don't want to post the pictures of my lunch. It's none of anybody's business what I'm having for lunch. Because remember when Facebook first started and Instagram first started, and I was also a, like a non-believer, um, that's what everyone did. They like, oh, hey, look at my steak and, you know, whatever. And they just posted a picture of what they were doing. And a lot of people found that to be like, uh, that's boring. I don't want to see what you have for lunch. But it but was a trend for a while. It, it was, was a trend. And, and you know, you could still do it. I, I don't care. I mean, I still, if I, if I, you know, go to a restaurant that I don't get to go to and it's kind of popular, you know, I'll, I'll take a picture of my whatever, my burger and fries and say, hey, I'm at the In-N-Out or whatever. You know, um, so it would be better, though, is make it a short 30 second reel, right? Just grab some videos of like, oh, here's me walking in, walking right. up to the counter. Oh, there's my food. Oh, man, this is good. Yeah, right? Like, to totally. Guess way, what? People are going to be like, oh, my gosh, I freaking love In-N-Out. Yes, let's go. Yeah, right. right? Don't, don't take a photo of your burger and expect it to get a bunch of likes. No, no. And you're not doing it for that. Right. So it's. <laughs> But I'm just trying to reach hey, to connect with people, right? Like that's the point is we're yeah. trying to have raw uh, like right. connection with people that because we want them to remember us, right? Like we're day trade in attention, right? So it's like, okay, yeah. be memorable. It's true. And, and, uh, and you're right. I mean, attention is the new yeah. currency, right? And so it's, it's interesting because I do feel like there's a lot of, um, you know, influencers out there. And I think right now in today's world, I think we can point to um, some of these or most of these influencers and go, okay, well, their, their activities online are not resulting in closed transactions. Right. No, it's based on views. <laughs> but, but if they do it right, and if they are actually adding value with their influence, they will get there where it will start monetizing itself. And it'll monetize bigger than somebody who is not doing it at all. Right? So that's really what I'm trying to, um, you know, let people know is, hey, you don't have to be an influencer. You know, you don't have to take a picture of yourself in a bikini on the beach in Hawaii. Yeah, I'm not asking you to do to do right. that. Like, like, that's but, not what we're talking about. And so that's kind of what I hear a lot of times is people, they equate being on Instagram or being on Facebook with being an influencer. And that's really not what it is. It's you have a sphere and your sphere might see you at church every Sunday. Or they might see you at the golf club, or they might see you at dropping the kids off at school, right? But do they know you on a deep level? And is your sphere do you, is your sphere so big 
that you there's no way you could have like an in-depth lunch or a coffee with everybody in your sphere and still get all the things you need to do done you know in life well most of us we don't think of it that way but our sphere is that big like I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know what the number is, but I would guess there's probably 500 people in this world that feel like they're in my sphere, right? So how am I going to talk to all 500 people in a meaningful way to let them know what I'm doing, what I'm about, if anything changes? The only way to do that is on social media. So whether you like it or not, people are looking for that connection. So if you're not out there, you know, like I equate it to if you've ever been flipping through the 1000 channels or whatever we get on online now, um, you're flipping through the channel and you find a channel you really like. Right. And you're like, wow, you know, this fishing channel or golf channel, like this is really cool. It's a new one. I I really enjoyed it. I watched it for an hour or something like that. And then you turn the TV off and you come back to it the next day. You're like, man, I hope I, I, I hope that channel is on again because like, I really enjoyed that. You turn it on and the screen's blank. Now you're bummed out. Now you're like, what happened to my favorite channel? My new favorite channel's gone. All right. Well, I guess I'll move over here to the golf channel. Well, you're not yeah. going to you're not going to go back and search for that channel most likely because it was off. So that's where a lot of people don't understand. They might see somebody in their sphere every six months, or they might see them every month. But in between there, if they could stay in touch with that person at least on the surface level of like, hey, I'm at In and Out today. I'm uh, doing this you know, podcast today, I'm doing this thing today, whatever, like you're staying in touch with them. So guess what? When they go to act on buying whatever it is that you sell, then they're going to remember you. Remember. And it will, you'll have less like likelihood of those situations that we all hate, which is all of a sudden, we run into this person at the grocery store. Hey, it's been a long time since I've seen you. What have you been up to? Oh, we just sold our house. We just moved. Yeah, dude. Oh, oh man, you're a real estate agent. Oh, I totally forgot, bro. I'm sorry. Yeah. Right? Don't don't expect that you know, we don't expect a different result, right? Cuz that's what's going to happen, right? Right, if you're not yeah. putting in the effort to create a different outcome. Yeah. 100%. No, I get it. And and some people hate social media and and I don't necessarily love it, but it it is one of those things that I look at as a uh as my something my sphere wants from me. And if they don't want it, if they don't want to see what I'm eating for lunch, scroll to the next person, right? Yeah. And they'll scroll back. Yeah. But they saw and if I called them and I said, hey, Thomas, see what I had for lunch today? You might have watched one second. You're going to be like, yeah, dude, I saw you were at In-N-Out. Like, I love In-N-Out, right? So, you know, there's that an stuff is a, to connect. It yeah. is. And if, if you're not throwing out enough opportunities to connect with people, then don't expect that different result. When you bump into Jennifer at the grocery store and she's like, ooh, 
Yeah. That's right. Sorry. Yeah. What did it, who's on stage um at forward and I'm going to I I can't remember who who this was but they basically said if you want more business shake more hands. And I I don't know if it was Ed Milet. Kevin? It might it might have been Kevin like um but it, it stuck in my mind. I don't know who said it, but somebody said, if you want more business, shake more hands. And it's like, okay, cool. Well, that handshake doesn't necessarily have to be a physical handshake. But I will tell you, I feel like in this market that we're in, um, I feel like I am gaining market share, even though I, we just talked about, you know, a really bad potential month coming up. Um, I am gaining more market share that my competitors are losing because I'm staying in front of people and that's it. And I'm just going to keep doing more and more of it. Oh, I love that, dude. Thank you for spending the time, dude. We, we, and we wrapped all those things. I feel like perfectly together as well. Social <laughs> content, right? Like yeah. kind of mindset, right? Um, like not judging yourself or comparing yourself to other people, knowing your numbers, right? Uh, building a team, being able to scale up and down. Like, uh, yeah, I think it all it all comes back to mindset around uh, growth. And uh, hey, I'll throw in a shameless plug, right? The reason that I started this podcast was it's called the From Experience Podcast, right? Is there's only one of two ways to get experience. You either have to go through it or you can learn from somebody else's. So, right. hey, shameless plug. Maybe that'll be my tagline in the future. I don't know. I love right? it. But I love it. That's like, the point. So anybody who listened to this, you probably learned something, right? Or you can relate because you've been through it. Yeah. Everything so. I've learned, everything I've learned, I've just learned from listening to somebody else or watching somebody else, right? Imitation is the best form of flattery, right? And it it's is. not always perfect. It's not always right. You'll make a mistake. It's okay. Don't right. be upset. It's Let's okay. go again. Yeah. Yeah, I love yeah. it, man. Well, well, I appreciate you having me uh, on. It's super fun. Hundred percent. Well, cool. What was that? I said this is super fun. So it is. It is. So hey, I'll show you. Stick around, actually, because uh, okay. once I hit stop, it'll finish uploading. But for everybody who stayed this long, I love you. Please text me that you actually heard me say yes. this, and and I'll I'll send you a gift. Actually, yes, so. that's so good. There you go. All right. Peace out, everyone. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Thanks.